I think at this point all of us should recognize that church membership is serious. It's a privilege, but it is serious. It's serious to care about one another. It's serious to bear one another's burdens, to have that responsibility. It's very serious. I think that we should also recognize that those of us who are saved and have chosen to gather do so because we believe that's what the Bible teaches. And I think for those that have chosen not to assemble, I think it speaks louder than anything I could say about them or about that situation. That may sound harsh, but it is the truth. And I'm grateful this morning that I am a part of Christ Church. I'm also grateful that the Lord has allowed me to be a part of this church and thankful for the privilege to be a part of your life. I mentioned last Sunday in the message on the gospel, the second message on the gospel in the church, as it related to the metaphor of the bride of Christ, that there is a price to pay when we give our lives to Christ and His church. When you are a part of a local church, you lose some of your space. You lose some of your freedom to do what you please. The Word of God requires us to adjust, to give, to take, to understand that the world does not revolve around us. In the world, you can stand back and look at others and say, I hate that for them. I hate they're going through that. I'll write a check maybe to help them. But you can't do that in the church. You can't just sit back and look at your brothers and sisters in Christ and just say, I hate they're going through that, or I'm glad they're going through that. It's not what the Bible teaches. When one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. We bear one another's burdens. Yes, we bear our own burdens, but we also bear one another's burdens in Christ Jesus. Now, you can do that in the world. You can choose how much you want to be involved and at what point you want to withdraw, but you can't do that in the body of Christ. We're in it together, and we're in it until our Lord returns. In Ephesians chapter 5, I want to go back and read. We've read some of these verses mainly verse 25 through 27, the last couple of weeks, about Christ loving the church and giving Himself for it. But I want us to go back up to verse number 21, and that's where I want to focus for a few moments this morning. I mentioned this for the last two Sunday mornings, and I want us to think this morning on the local church and submission. The local church and submission. Verse 21 is our text this morning. In a few minutes, I'll read some verses prior to it and some verses afterwards. But Ephesians 5.21 is where we are this morning. Notice with me in the Word of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. If you have your Bible open there, if you'll just look at Ephesians 4 and 5, maybe some of the titles that's in your Bible 
that the uh, particular study Bible you have or, or whatever Bible you're carrying, it may tell you what's going on inside those verses and chapters. What happens in Ephesians 4, Paul begins uh, and he beseeches them, talks about their vocation. And then through chapter 4 and 5, Paul gives a series of examples of ways in which Christians are totally different from the world. We are totally different from the world. I just described that a moment ago in relation to how we bear our sorrows and our griefs. We are different from the world, Paul tells us in these chapters. If you read them, he will say we are different than the world in the way we talk, the way we speak. We are different from the world in the way we handle anger. We are different in the than the world in the way we handle kindness and charity. We're totally different from the world. There's a variety of ways that he mentions in Ephesians 4 and 5 in, in how we are different from the world. But if you'll notice in Ephesians chapter 5, he begins and talking about how we are different from the world as he gives us motivations to be different. He says in verse 1 of 5, Be ye therefore followers of God. He tells us to walk in love. And then to avoid the sins that he lists in verse 3 down through this chapter. He tells us in verse uh, 7 that we are not partakers with them. We are different from the children of disobedience. He tells us in verse 8 that we were sometimes darkness, but now we're the light in the Lord. And then he begins to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and what it is in verse 18 to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit as the children of God. He is motivating the Ephesians. He is giving his arguments, if you will, as to how the believer is different. And he mentions that in verse 8. That's the most powerful motivation found there as it moves to verse 18, where we are to be filled with the Spirit. The world cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, they are unable to live as the believer is to live. And what he's saying is that everything we do, we're dependent as God's children upon the fullness of the Spirit of God. Every child of God can and should live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm very much aware there are denominations and other belief systems that believe only a certain select few have the privilege of being filled with the Spirit of God. But that is not what the Bible teaches all of us can be filled and should be filled and live in the fullness or under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. And then Paul begins to tell us what that looks like in verse 19 and 20. When we live in the fullness, we're able to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We sing and make melody. We give thanks unto the Lord in verse 20 for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he comes to this issue of submission. And he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's impossible. You can't do it without living in the fullness of the Spirit of God. The world cannot do that. The world cannot. And the world refuses to submit to anyone they are living for themselves. But in the local church, we live in submission one to another. I want you to notice with me this morning for a few moments the explanation of what it is to live in submission to the, each other. 
And then we'll look at how we apply that in our everyday life. And then we'll look at the means by which or the reason that we are to live in submission. Verse 21 again, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You being here this morning shows a type of submission. You have submitted. You've arranged yourself in the place that you're supposed to be if you're a Christian. And that is, on the Lord's day, you're supposed to gather with God's people. You say, preacher, what about those who claim to be saved who refuse to gather with God's people in any local congregation today? Then they are living in disobedience to verse 21, which says we are to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. But the word goes beyond just obedience. Now the word submission is a word that gets people fired up in our culture. It's a word that is totally rejected by our culture. We live in a culture which promotes self, and we live in a culture where people are not afraid to push themselves to the front and say, I am who you want. I'm going to be who I am, and I'm who you want I'm not going to conform to what you want. This is who I am. You must accept me for who I am, or else I'm going to cause trouble for you, for your company, for your church. And it's even trickled down now to children saying that to their parents. I am my own self. I will go and do and be what I want to be. I refuse to live in submission to my parents as the Word of God teaches. That is the culture in which we live. But I want to remind all of us this morning who are members of Westonor Baptist Church that we are to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. First of all, it does not, as I say, mean just obedience. The word is more than that. The word submission there in the text means to place under in an orderly fashion. You sitting here this morning is a type of submission. Me standing here is a type of submission. Maybe you look at it as you being submitted to me as I teach or preach, but I stand here today in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ who has called me to do this, and I am in the arrangement and I am in the place that God has called me to be. It is important to note that many of the New Testament uses of the word submission and submitting, they are used in the passive voice with a middle voice which signifies that we voluntarily subject ourselves to the will of others. And that's what we do in the local church. The word was used in Paul's day as a military term where a group of soldiers or troop divisions were arranged in a military fashion so they could be able to function. The church cannot function unless we are submitted one to another. We are submitted as individuals, one under the other. It was also used in Paul's day not only to arrange troops and soldiers in a proper order and rank and fashion as to where they could be effective, but it was also used to arrange certain military weapons and implements on the battlefield so the battle could be carried out. It's just like the army or military would do today. You send in the bombers first, knock out the radars. You do all of that before you put that individual in harm's way. You do everything in an order and in a proper arrangement. Well, so it is with the church. The church is not a bunch of independent people. 
That's why I've never liked that word, independent, when it was attached to the church. There are better words to that. We are not a bunch of independent people. We are not a bunch of people out here soloing on our own. We are people living in subjection one to another because we are a part of the body of Christ. You say, well, what are you talking about, preacher? When we live in submission one to another, it means it's the opposite of self-assertion. It's the opposite, as I've said, of an independent spirit. It is the desire to get along with one another. Being satisfied with less than what we think we may be due. One writer said it is a sweet reasonableness of attitude. I heard Dr. Joel Gregory define it years ago when he pastored at Travis Avenue Baptist in Fort Worth, Texas. He described it as finding the common ground rather than the battleground. We are to be in that kind of relationship in the church. When you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ, we submit one to the other. It means that we voluntarily arrange ourselves under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and we humble ourselves as we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the only way the local church can live. That's the only way the local church can minister. Jesus is saying to us here through the pen of the Apostle Paul that we are to place ourselves in this orderly fashion as the Word of God tells us and we are to live in submission one to the other. I want to secondly show you how Paul uses this word in our text and how he used it in a couple other texts. When Paul says in verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, he's talking about a mutual submission by all believers to each other. Self-denial. In other words, we have to be others-centered, not self-centered. He's talking about committing ourselves to the service of others. Now sometimes we'll do things for certain people in the body of Christ and we refuse to do them for other people in the body of Christ. That is sin. We submit ourselves one to another. The principle of submission in some shape or form, the word submit, submission, or submitting in some shape or form is mentioned over 30 times, some say as many as 40 times, in Paul's epistle. Do you believe this morning that the doctrine of justification is important? I do. Do you believe that the doctrine of election is important? I do. Do you believe the doctrine of glorification is important? I do. Paul mentioned submission more than he mentioned the doctrine of justification. This is not something to pass off casually when Paul says we are to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. It was important to him. It ought to be important to us. Romans 12.10, Paul writes, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. To the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 3 through 5, he writes, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. This verse in Philippians, these verses here in Romans and Philippians, they're tough. 
I don't naturally want to prefer you above myself. I don't naturally want to esteem that you are better than myself. That requires submission and that requires the power of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in order for us to live in submission. I've always been amazed in church when people claim that they were filled with the Spirit or the Holy Spirit was on them that it becomes an independent show. It becomes a very self-centered attraction when people say that the Holy Spirit is on them or the Holy Spirit is using them. It becomes a very self-centered thing. A great example of this is in the book of Acts where Barnabas, who was really filled with the Spirit of God, He sold his land and gave that to the church. He didn't make a show of it. He came and laid it at the apostles' feet, which is what you did this morning when you came in and put your offerings in the box. You didn't come down here with your tithing envelope or offering envelope and run around and say, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving. You just silently placed it in the box back there, calling no attention to yourself. That is spirit-filled giving, and that is spirit-filled submission. Only problem was Ananias and Sapphira, who also claimed to be full of the Holy Spirit, they made a show of what they gave. They made a show of what they gave. And you know what Peter said to them? He didn't tell them they were filled with the Spirit. He said, you're full of the devil. He said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? When we are Spirit-filled, we submit without calling attention to ourselves and without asserting ourselves and without having our name attached to everything. That's the glorious part of being a church. People can pray for you and you don't even have to know who did. That's the glorious part of being a church. People can give to you, as some of you have been recipients of that, and you don't even have to know who gave it. People can just live and serve as Christ tells them, and it blesses the entire body of Christ. That's what Paul is saying. But what did Jesus say about submission? Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 1 through 4, do you remember that? When Jesus was talking to His disciples about who would be greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you know what Jesus said? Here's what He said. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I want to stress again. I've said this repeated many times, and I want to say it again, and I'm going to say it throughout this entire process. This focus on church membership here at our church is not about one or two people becoming a hierarchy that says who becomes a member and who doesn't. That's not what this is about. This is about each of us submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God. And I submit to you that when submission is believed and practiced biblically, there won't have to be that kind of hierarchy, never has needed to be that kind of hierarchy. This is about each one of us not asserting ourselves, but humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of Almighty God. Jesus Himself said in Matthew 20, 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. That's submission. And then if you remember John 13, Jesus showed His disciples what true submission looked like when He stooped down and washed their feet. I remind you, the feet that Jesus is washing in John 13, these disciples have just came off the street 
And in that day, there were no septic tanks or no drain lines when people were were finished with their dirty dishwater or laundry or whatever, it went out into the streets where it lay in the dust. And when you walked on those streets in sandals or barefooted, that dirt and that mire lodged between your feet and your, your toes of your feet. And when they came in, it was a custom to wash your feet. This is Jesus bowed down with a basin and a towel, washing the feet of His disciples. They should have been washing His, but He came as a servant. He came in submission. May I also remind you that Jesus is washing the feet of every man who will in a few hours take them same feet and walk away from Him and walk away from the cross and desert Him and He is nevertheless washing their feet. Preacher, I would submit to other church members, but you don't know how they've treated me. Have they treated you worse than Jesus' own disciples treated Him? You say, I would be humble around them, but you don't know how arrogant they are. How, have they been more arrogant to you than they were the Son of God? He didn't, give, he didn't say here, submitting yourselves one to another if things are okay. He didn't say submit ourselves one to another if you like people. He said in the church, he said among the body of believers, in the household of faith, in those who are saved and filled with the Spirit of God, we are to submit ourselves one to another. It's essential to all the relationships. As a matter of fact, you will find Jesus talking about husbands and wives in the following verses. You'll hear Him talk about in chapter 6, children and parents. All relationships must be based on submission. There is no husband in this building that can love his wife like he should love her if he is first not submitted to Christ and also submitted to one another in Christ's church. There is no parents, there's no children. None of us can fulfill our relationships until we are first submitted to Christ and then submitted to one another in the church. You say, now wait a minute, preacher. If what you just said is right, you're telling me that people who are outside the church are never going to be able to have the right family relationships or the right parental child relationship or vice versa. You're exactly right. You may have a relationship, but it is certainly not a biblical relationship that glorifies and honors God. There's no hierarchy here in Paul's command. Look at verse 21. No hierarchy in that command. We're to submit one to another. Not because the other person deserves our submitting to them, but because it's commanded and it's a spirit-filled Christian who should desire to do exactly that. All right, there's the definition. Here's the application. How do, we, how do we do this, preacher? How do we apply this? If you've learned anything over the past two Sundays about the gospel and the gospel-centered church, it is that the primary point in the gospel is humiliation. There is no such thing as praying to receive Jesus or asking Jesus into your heart and you being saved without denying yourself and taking up your cross and following Christ. Now, I know that is very popular here in the South for you just to ask Jesus into your heart without any intentions of carrying on the cross and without any intentions of denying yourself. In other words, you just ask Jesus to come into your mess, straighten out the rooms you want to give Him, and you'll take care of the rest. And we just shout our way on to heaven. That is not biblical conversion. Whenever you come to Christ, you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. The gospel 
is humiliation. Self is dethroned against God. Self is also dethroned against man. When you come to Christ in genuine salvation, not only does it make you right with God, but it makes you right with your fellow man, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's nothing self-exalting in the gospel. And I believe one of the greatest pictures of blasphemy today is when men preach the gospel in order to promote themselves or to self-exalt themselves or to, or to bring self-exaltation. When men rape the gospel in order to build their own names and their own ministries, that is blasphemy in the sight of God. The gospel is humiliating. The gospel is what brings us down to humility. This is not about me and you. This is about Christ and Christ alone. Why should the members of West Sonora Baptist Church be submitted to one another? The answer is simply this. Well, first of all, the Bible tells us to. But the gospel has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. That's the reason we're here, right? We are here today in this church building, gathered as a local assembly, because we profess Christ has saved us, we have believed the gospel, we have proven that by living the gospel, by being baptized and identifying with Christ's local church, we are saying the gospel has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. Therefore, if we sit in here unwilling to do for others what they can't do for themselves or submit to others, we are a contradiction to the very gospel that we claim to believe. Do you see that? Do you understand that? By submitting to one another. We are saying to the world, the gospel is absolutely true. We are in here praying for one another. We're in here praying for our brother and sister who are under grief and heaviness because they're at a point they can't pray for themselves. We're in here praying for them. We are giving to this brother. We're giving to this sister. We are supporting. We are exhorting. We are encouraging one another to stay true to God because they're not able to do it on their own. That's why we are here. Church isn't about a bunch of people who've arrived. The only place we've arrived is in this location. Spiritually, we are dependent upon one another. Do you think it wouldn't affect me? I've heard these preachers preach, and preachers can really put out a tale sometimes. I've heard them say, bless God, I'm going to serve God here today if nobody ever shows up. You do that about one or two weeks, you'll be so depressed you can't even speak the name of Christ. I want you to know I'm encouraged by you being here. I mean, Listen, I'm, I want to exhort you to live for Christ. You ought to be encouraged that I'm here. You ought to be encouraged that your brothers and sisters are sitting around you, that somebody's prayed for you today, that somebody has sung with you or maybe to you today that's what this is all about when we submit we are showing the very heart of the gospel we are doing for others what can't be done for themselves you can't have a local church by yourself you can't do it i know you've heard of the old of the guy that was stranded on the desert island when they erected him he had three buildings built there they asked him what one was. He's the only one on the island. He said, that's where I live. They said, what's that? He said, that's where I go to church. They said, well, what's that other one? He said, that's where I used to go to church. And he was the only one on the island. You can't do this by yourself. We be brothers. We be brethren. Born of the same womb. The local church is made up of people who are different. I don't know if you've looked around you in the last 50 years or 60, but we're very much different. We're different socially. Financially, temperamentally, we're different vocationally, and we're different in a lot of other ways. Who made us that way? 
Well, the Lord did. I want to find a church where everybody, blah, 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 and they got their little list of rules. If they can't find it, they'll go start them one, and that's the only kind of people they'll let in there. That's a sad, sad interpretation of a local church. Listen to what Paul told the Corinthians, who Lord knows they needed it, and we do too. He said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou had not received it? Who made us different? Who made us different? There's, there's men sitting in here today who love to hunt. I'm not a big hunter. I don't preach against hunting just because I don't like it. I'm glad somebody's hunted. I like to eat. But I'm different. I just, I'm, I'm that way. And then I know, some, I know some preachers who didn't like it because I used to ride motorcycles. That's worldly. That's worldly. Not able to ride anymore, but I used to, if I could ride, I'd still ride. I'd ride by a guy sitting in a tree stand, holler at him, keep riding. I'd, I just love to do. We're different in those aspects. Who made us that way? God. Some people do math well. Some people don't do math at all. People who don't do math at all, thank God for people who do math well. Some people sing well. Others do not sing well. Who made us that way? The Lord made us that way. He made us to differ. And that's why we submit one to another. In other words, we line up as who we are, where we are, and we serve and worship in the body of Christ. And that makes us to be productive and fruitful for the Lord. We are a New Testament local church. And we have to make allowances for one another. We have to put up with one another. I've always tried to be honest with you. Not all of us would like to go on vacation with each other or share a holiday with one another. And knowing what I know about myself, I'm not sure I'd want to be on vacation with any of you except my family. And there's questions at some of that point. And honestly, you probably wouldn't want to go on vacation with me. That doesn't mean that we're not brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, the preacher's weird. He don't like this. But the preacher has no right to say you're weird because you don't like the... These are, these are things that... Those things are areas in which we are different. But I have no choice. I do have a choice when it comes to going on vacation with you. I do have a choice when it comes to going hunting with you or going to a ballet with you or to an opera with you. I have a choice when it comes to eating cornbread and beans with you. And my choice is, yes, call me. I have a choice there. But I have no choice when it comes to loving you. I have no choice when it comes to meeting with you. No choice when it comes to exhorting you and preferring you above myself and to humbling myself when I'm around you and serving you and being what God would have me to be in the body of Christ. I have no choice there. That died at the cross and I belong to Him and I belong to His body. And we're to love and serve one another. I've always preferred, we've had all types of singing this morning. Well, not all types, but we've had congregational singing. We've had choir singing. And then John sung a solo. I have always preferred singing 
congregational singing over choir singing. If I were going to have a singing, and don't hold your breath, but if I were going to have a singing here at this church, it would be first a congregational singing. That would be the first thing I would have. Nobody come, right? Then choir. And then you go down to quartet or trio, duet, and solo. Why do I love congregational singing? Because it displays submission. And also Paul has mentioned it here in the text, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Do you know it is hard to sing congregationally and promote yourself? Hard to do that. It's really hard to sing in a choir and promote yourself. Now, all types of singing can be done to the glory of God, but congregational singing is one of the best ways to be submitted to God in our singing. Choir singing. Everybody loses their identity for the purpose of one blended voice. You can do that in solo singing. John did it this morning. I'd say this even if he wasn't my son. He does not promote himself in his singing. He don't sing that you hear him or that he sees you. But you also know people who do. You know people in congregational singing who try to out-sing everybody so loud or they add stuff to music in order to stand out so people will know they think they can sing. Same way in choirs. God knows it's in quartets and trios and all the other forms. We're not in here to promote self. We are in here to be submitted. As a matter of fact, if you can't sing, it's a blessing to stand beside somebody that can and just move your mouth so other believers will look at you and say, hey, you're getting it done. We submit. That's how God is glorified. What is our motivation for this? What is our motivation? It's in the text. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Some of your translations may read in reverence to Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying. We submit out of our reverence for Jesus Christ. Submission is our response to what we think about Jesus. Submission is not my response to what I think about you. Submission is response to what I think about Christ. And I've mentioned for the past week what should we think about Christ? Verse 25, we should think about He who loved us and gave Himself for us. Therefore, we submit to each other because of Him. It's possible for people to submit to one another for a lot of other reasons. Some people submit because of political fear. There's people in Russia today and other places who are submitted out of just sheer fear. The fear of losing their lives, so they just submit out of that. They're afraid they're going to get killed if they don't. There are people right here in America who are submitted to certain political causes and they have to vote certain ways because of the fear of losing their job if they don't do those things. You can commit out of social fear. There are, there are times when you're at school or at work and you kindly you submit to people's 
unbiblical thinking because you're afraid of how they're going to treat you or that type of way. And some people just submit because they feel good doing it. They like the feeling of being under something. We don't do that here for any of those reasons. We submit one to another out of our reverence and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. He told us to do it. He showed us how to do it. And He filled us with His Spirit so we could do it. So we submit. You know, somehow it always comes back to Jesus, doesn't it? It always comes back to Jesus. If you think in a few months that we're going to stand up here and say, now here's, here's what it is to be a member of this church, and here's the bylaws, and here's the covenant, and here's our statement of faith, and bless God, you're going to abide by it, or we're going to send you packing. If you think that's what's coming, you are sadly mistaken. We're going to say, here's what the Scriptures say about the local church. Here's what the Scriptures say about doctrine. Here's what the Scriptures say that we should do when we're together. And if we all love Christ the way we should love Him, then we should be willing to submit and arrange ourselves in that order. In his commentary on Ephesians, preacher and author Lehman Strauss, who I've read for many, many years, he's now with the Lord, he writes this about this passage, Ephesians 5.21. He says, In a church whose members are submitted, one sees no dissension, no quarreling, no selfishness, no jealousy. Loving submission to our Lord will make us subject to one another. Submission, as you know, is gone forever in our culture. It's gone. It's not coming back. It's gone it's gone in the marital vows. It's gone in children-child-parent relationship. Gone. Gone. But I want to tell you this. It is here to stay in the church. It may be gone in the world, but it's here to stay in the church. And there'll be a place for it here forever. Because that's what Christ desires. So preacher, what does this mean for us and for you and for all of us? It means we're willing to be the least. It means we're willing to wash the disciples' feet. It means we're willing to prefer others ahead of ourselves. It means that we do nothing for selfish ambition, but what we do, we do out of humbleness. It means we don't insist on getting our way. It means that we place ourselves at the disposal of others. And living so that we can forbear and our forbearance with each other becomes a means by which the church is benefited and our Savior is glorified. What I'm about to say, I want to say respectfully to those who have served and worshipped here long before I came here and to the hundreds of, of members of this church and former pastors who labored here long before I got here, many of whom I don't even know and will not know until I get to heaven. But what I want to say, I say respectfully to all of them. But I also want to say it with confidence because it's right. I do not think West Lenore Baptist Church has ever experienced the fruit and rewards of true biblical submission. I think there's been glimpses of it here and there but not as the entire body of Christ. I want to ask you this morning, would you like to be a part of that? If you're saved, you can. 
and practice biblical submission? Then you've got to receive the Word as it's preached this morning. And you've got to seriously pray about the matter. And one thing you absolutely have to do is you have to be filled with the Spirit of God because this isn't possible without the fullness of the Spirit of God. And get this out of your mind that people who are full of the Spirit are people who's been around for 40 years or people who are way down the road from where you are spiritually speaking. That's what preachers like to preach to you so you'll always think that you're inferior to them and they're more spiritual than you. If you're a Christian today, you can be filled with the Spirit of God. It may not be to the degree of others. There's infants here today. There's babies being held by their moms and dads on their laps today. Their lungs are nowhere the size of my lungs. But I promise you, both of our lungs are full of air or neither one of us would be here. And you can be filled with the Spirit of God even as a young person, whoever you are. Preacher, what do I do? You just say, Lord, empty me of all of myself and fill me with your Spirit so I may be able to live in submission to you and in submission to the local church. I would love to see, I would love to be a part of a local church that could see the fruits of submission. And that can happen. The early church did it. Thank God we can do it. If you're looking for that out yonder, it's never going to happen. But thank God it's possible in here for God's honor and for God's glory. Father, thank you this morning for every expression of love for these that gathered for prayer. You know the needs of the individual heart, the things they prayed about and their brothers and sisters prayed with them about. You know them. I pray you'd continue to work your work of grace in their hearts. I pray this morning, Lord, you'd take the word that we've read, Lord, about submission. And Lord, you would continue to help us and teach us to live in submission. Lord, not in chains and in bondage, but in the freedom, Lord, to live humbly, to serve, to love. And may we not examine everybody else's life this morning. May we examine our own. Lord, I pray that you would help this church, Lord, today and in the future, and Lord, in the years to come, when many of us may not even be here to see it. I do pray that Lord, this church would experience the fruit and the joy of being submitted one to another just because of you and because of what you have given for our salvation. Lord, just as Moses wrote in Genesis about Joseph when it talked about his lineage, Lord, you said about Joseph that his lineage was like the fruitful vine that run all the way over the wall and hung over the wall for everyone to see the fruit of it. I pray the fruit of submission right here in Weston or Baptist Church would be seen and experienced by everyone here in the days and months and years to come. Father, help us this morning. Fill us. Use us. You've commanded us. You've given us the means by which to do this. You've shown us what it looks like to be the Christians that we need to be. Now help us to live that way for your glory and for your honor. I want to thank you again for dying, for giving yourself for all who would believe. But Lord, for me this morning, it's, it's about our gathering right here. Lord, as, as I've looked across this congregation and looked in the faces of people, 
Lord, you have given yourself for Wesson Lord Baptist Church. You suffered that we could be here to serve you and to serve one another. May we do that to your glory, and may we do that to your pleasure. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. Bind our hearts together in love, and Lord, you do be with us till we meet again. Help us not to forget one another. Lord, help us today as we pray, and Lord, as we wait upon you, help us to think of each other and to care about each other, to love each other, and Lord, to exhort each other. Where we can be a blessing this week, may we be a blessing. Where we can be a help, may we be a help. Where others are wanting to help us, may we be willing to allow them to help us. Lord, that we'd function as you would have us to. Thank you again for your great grace. Lord, if I knew any other way to say it, I'd say it. But I just want to tell you this morning that I love you. And I thank you for loving us. Now you help us as we depart from this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.